Well, as we enter into our Anzac message, I was just thinking about um, yesterday. Yesterday, you know, was Anzac Day, and normally thousands of Kiwis all up and down the country gather together and they honor and they remember our armed servicemen and women. Um, but because of the lockdown, we couldn't do this. And so, what Kiwis did instead was they got up at dawn yesterday and either stood at their um, beginning of their driveway or at their door, and there we began to honor and remember our armed servicemen uh, and women. And I'll tell you what it is, uh, we're so blessed to have them, and we do honor you. So all those who are serving out there, or who, or have, uh, who, who have retired, or maybe you formerly served, we honor you. Thank you so much for what you, your service to our country. Now when we look at Anzac Day, Anzac Day is on the 25th of April. And the reason why it's on that day is because that was the, that was the first day of conflict in Gallipoli, when for the very first time, New Zealand as a nation fought as one country. And that marks the 25th of, of April, 1915. And this, is, this was an incredible day for us as a nation coming together with su uh, such a great loss. But what's really, really interesting is that the, although for us, our, our, um, our start is, uh, is coming together as a nation is on the 25th of April, 1915. But what's interesting, it's not the same for Australia. For Australia, the, um, for them, their first day of war, when they entered into, into a battle, if you go to Canberra and you walk down Anzac Park, and so if you're in Canberra in Australia, you walk down Anzac Park and, and you walk along, in fact, the, the first memorial plaque that you come against, see, it's dated, 1860 to 1861 because it honors the Australian uh, Royal Navy campaign and their first battle which was fought and you know who they fought against they fought against us that's right they fought they came to New Zealand and they fought here in 1860 1861 New Zealand so the Australian Anzac story starts not in 1914 during World War one but it starts in New Zealand in 1860. So for the First World War, it had an enormous impact on New Zealand, on our nation. In fact, we call it New Zealand's Great War. And the reason why we call it New Zealand's Great War is because of the great impact it had on our population. In fact, those who died numbered around 2% of New Zealand's population. 2%. And they were mainly uh, males that had died. But what's really interesting is that in 1864, there was a war... In Waikato. And in that war, those who died numbered around 4% of the Maori population. And which was also included within those who, who died in that war, high number of those were women and children. So we, there was 2% in World War I where we lost 2% of the population of New Zealand. But here in 1864, 4% of the Maori population lost their lives, mainly women and children. So may we never forget, lest we forget. Because I, I really want to start from reading from the book of Matthew chapter 5. And Matthew chapter 5 is the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes describe the ideal Jesus follower. So today we're going to be magnifying one. So let's have a look at the first one. So let's turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 verse 9. So let's read together. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, peace means reconciliation. 
And God is the author of peace and reconciliation. So when we seek peace and reconciliation, we are operating in the authority of God. Which is why Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Maybe you have, you have a grudge with someone. And the reason why you have a grudge with someone is because it's their fault, right? Because it's never your fault. If I've got a grudge against somebody, it's not my fault, it's their fault. Yeah, but what's really, really interesting, the Bible doesn't mention who's right or who's wrong. Only that reconciliation is necessary. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. Does anybody out there enjoy reading the New Zealand Herald? I mean, I love reading the New Zealand Herald. And to be honest, um, the only part I actually read is the rugby section, but there aren't too much rugby in their paper. But did you know that the New Zealand Herald, their first publication happened in 1863 on November the 13th? That was their very first publication ever in 1863. So when it came to announcing New Zealander of the Year for 1883, they would consider being a peacemaker would be a big part of that. So who did the Herald pick for as peacemaker? Who did the Herald pick as New Zealander of the Year for 1883? They chose Governor George Gray. Governor George Gray. And here's a picture of Governor George Gray. While he was the central figure in establishing British authority over the land, the newspaper praised Gray for attempting to preserve peace during the New Zealand wars that were happening during this time. They said, hey, you know, Governor Gray, you're a peacemaker. You're preserved. You're trying to bring peace during this time. So let's just go back a couple of years. And let, let's, let's go back to 1861. So 1863, Governor Gray, you are New Zealander of the year. You are a peacemaker. In, 1860, in, in 1861, more and more settlers were arriving in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And what do settlers want? Settlers want more land. So the land of Waikato was beautiful. It was being expertly farmed by the local Maori and they were building their own wheat mills. In fact, they owned and they ran 18 mills in the Waikato throughout the 1850s. And they were, they were um, selling produce, uh, fruit and vegetables to this growing metropolis of Auckland. They were providing all the food that was booming in, in Waikato. Beautiful farms, the Maori, they were, they were, um, they were, um, they were building new mills. They were amazing, amazing what they were doing. But what was also happening in 1861 was that the New Zealand government, they visit the Maori in the Waikato, and Governor George Grey, the peacemaker, New Zealander of the Year for 1863, he makes an ultimatum. This is what he says to the Maori in the Waikato. He says this: "Retain your land." as long as you're strong enough to keep it. Retain your land as long as you are strong enough to keep it. Now, the government isn't just making speeches. They're assembling an army, including the Royal Australian Navy. So by 1864, there'll be about 12,000 troops in New Zealand, 12,000 troops in Auckland, in Auckland alone. So more soldiers, there were more soldiers here in Aotearoa than there were in all of England. There were more soldiers in Auckland than there were in all of England. Retain your land as long as you are strong enough to keep it. 
and behind me are 12,000 soldiers. Now the first thing that these 12, the first things that, that, that these 12,000 soldiers did was they built what is known as the Great South Road. And the reason why they built this road that is now called the Great South Road uh, is so they can move their cannons from Auckland to Huntley. So the Maori response comes from Wurumu Tamihana. And it's really interesting because in 1883, the New Zealand Herald, they wrote an article about Wurumu Tamihana. And in the article, this is what they refer to him. They, and as quoted, they say, his well-known treachery, end quote. That's quoted from the, the Herald of 1883, talking about Wurumu Tamihana. And the government will label Wurumu Tamihana, they will label him a rebel. So, who is Wurumu Tamihana? Well, Wurumu Tamihana Tarapipipi Te Waharoa was born around 1805 and was the chief of Ngati Hoa, a Waikato tribe. Now, when missionaries first uh, were invited into his tribe, it will take only six months for, for Tamihana to learn how to read and write in Māori. Only six months to learn to read and write. That's phenomenal. Phenomenal. From scratch, it just took him six months to learn to read and write. Now, Wurumu Tamihana's qualities of intellect, leadership, courage, eloquence, and diplomacy were significant in his life. His leadership and his efforts to abide by Christian ideals prevented many battles between warring tribes. He became well-respected amongst the Maori because of his pursuit for peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. It is Wurumu Tamihana who takes the, a key role in the coronation of the first Maori king. It is Wurumu Tamihana who places a Bible over the king's head to indicate the role of scripture in the Maori king movement. It continues to, to this day. Every time there's a new Maori king, the direct descendant of Wurumu Tamihana places a Bible on the head of the incoming king to indicate the authority of the scripture of scripture within the Maori kingdom movement. Kete aroha, kite ture, mete fakapono. Hold fast to love, uphold the laws, and be firm in the Christian faith. So Wurumu Tamihana, the kingmaker, the one who places the king under the authority of Scripture, stands to respond to the New, Zealand's, uh, New Zealand governor's speech. And this is recorded in, in, the, in our Great Britain parliamentary papers. And at this point, I want to acknowledge Reverend Dr. Steve Taylor. He is the principal of Knox Center for Ministry and Leadership in Dunedin. He did a lot of research and he, and he unearthed this document in the Great Britain Parliament. And, Parliament. and so here's, here's a view of this, of this document. Uh, and this document is the letter of the response from Wurumu Tamihana. And so thank you, um, Reverend Dr. Steve Taylor, for uh, providing me a copy of this letter. So, if you were faced with 12,000 soldiers and an ultimatum, ultimatum, retain your land only as long as you're strong enough to keep it, how would you respond? If you had to choose one part of the Bible to speak on behalf of your family at that moment, what scripture would you use? Wurumu Tamihana, he chose to lead from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. And let's read, I've included 14 in this. Ephesians 2, 13 to 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you 
who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Here we are. You British who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. For he himself is our peace. He has made the two groups one. That's what Jesus has done. He has made the two groups one. And he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, when the Apostle Paul first wrote this, there was racial tensions between the Jews and the Gentile Christians. Now, the Jews, they had seen themselves as being, because they were Jews, they said, hey, look, you, you Gentiles need to become Jews. And, and there was tension going on and about who was right and who was wrong. So Paul is saying, we are one in Christ. Bring down the barrier of racial tension. For we are one people because it is Christ who connects us. I wonder, I wonder how often we choose not to understand another culture. I wonder how often we are quick to judge and slow to listen. When Tamihana writes his response to Governor Gray, this is what he writes, and this is a quote from this letter. This is what he says to Governor Gray. My only connection with you is through Christ. My only connection with you is through Christ. So he quotes Ephesians 2.13. Wuru Tamihana is not only an intelligent leader, but he is a first-class theologian. Tamihana, he offers a remarkable vision for a new home. It's incredible. With this verse... It's incredible what he begins to pull out of this. What Wurumu Tamiyana is saying, he believes in biculturalism. He's saying that the two peoples could live peacefully in this land, sharing one Christian faith. For Pakiha and Maori to keep breaking down the dividing walls, that Christ unites us, one people under one God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Galatians 3.28 says this, and Galatians says this, There is no longer Jew or Gentiles, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, I, I really believe that if Wurumu Tomihana was here today, he will quote, quote you this verse, but he will interpret like this, There is no longer Maori or Pakiha or Cook Islander or Afrikaans, or Asian, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Yes, I am Maori, but when we come together, we are one. We are neither. We are one. Jesus brought down the barrier between us, and he has made us one people under one God. See, Wurumu Tamihana, a peacemaker labeled a rebel. You know, there was another peacemaker who was labeled a rebel. They crucified him. The moment Jesus died on the cross, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. The curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from man. The curtain was a symbol of the barrier that separated God's presence from man. The tearing of the curtain represented the work of Jesus that brought reconciliation, destroying the wall that separated us. Jesus was willing to die. To bring down the barrier that separated us. I wonder, I wonder, what are you willing to do to bring down the barrier that separates you 
from another people group. I wonder, I wonder what are you willing to do to bring down the barrier that separates you from your wife, that separates you from your husband, that separates you from your children, from your parents, that separates you from, a, from another church, that separates you from, a, from your work colleagues. What are you willing to do to bring down the barrier that separates us? See, peace is not the absence of power. Peace is the presence of love. Magnify love and you'll magnify peace. So what are you magnifying right now? What are you magnifying right now? Because what you magnify, you get more of. You only have to go to Facebook and see that people are magnifying anger. People are magnifying fear, distrust, and hate. What you magnify, you get more of. How often do you magnify the faults in people, or maybe the faults in other people groups, or maybe in other churches, and you get offended? And we forget all the good things that they did because we magnify the faults. Because what you magnify, you get more of. What do you choose to magnify? What are you magnifying in your marriage? What are you magnifying in the people around you? We need to magnify what is good. Magnify love and you'll magnify peace. Bring down the walls that separate us. What you magnify, you get more of. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now maybe if Governor Gray had magnified love instead of pride, he would never have invaded the Waikato. Maybe if Governor Gray magnified the love of Wurumu Tamihana, peace would have reigned. In 1995, the Crown apologized for the invasion of Waikato and the confiscation of 3.25 million acres of the most fertile land of Waikato and the Taranaki district. The Crown acknowledges that the fault lay with its representative, Governor George Gray, and not the King Movement. The New Zealand Herald would write in 2013, on its 150th anniversary, it would write an article, and this is what they wrote in the article in 2015, on the 150th anniversary. This is what's in the, in the paper. You can Google it, you can see this. This is what they say. From the perspective of the 21st century, therefore, it is impossible to accept the original choice of Gray as New Zealander of the Year. Instead, we chose Wurumu Tamihana, more commonly known in the Pakeha press at the time as William Thompson, a Ngāti Hoa chief who, more truly than Grey, was a peacemaker caught up in a war not of his own making. With hindsight then, Wurumu Tamihana Tarapipipi Te Waharoa is the New Zealander of the Year for 1863. The Herald will go on to name Wurumu Tamihana in the top 10 of the greatest New Zealanders of the last 150 years. A list that includes Kate Shepherd, Ernest Rutherford, Apirana Ngata, 
Catherine Mansfield, Jean Batten, Michael Joseph Savage, Fina Cooper, Ed Hillary, and of course, Richie McCaw. <laughs> what you magnify, you get more of. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. Perhaps on Anzac Day, let us not only remember New Zealand's first war, but also remember New Zealand's great war of 1863, where 4% of the Māori population of Waikato lost their lives. Lest we forget. Now in Parliament in 1883, the Dunedin Central MP, Thomas Bracken, said this in Parliament. In 1883, this is Thomas Bracken, this is what he said. He said this, There was a time in the history of New Zealand when the Māoris, if they had chosen, could with one swoop have, sw have swept the European race from this island. That time was the Treaty of Waitangi. But what did they do then? You call them savages, barbarians, but they treated us in a way that should make us blush for our conduct to them. You need to understand who Thomas Bracken was. Not only said the speech in 1883, but Thomas Bracken will go on to write our national anthem. God defend New Zealand. See, our national anthem came out of a period of pain. And when we get to this line, it says, this line right here, it says, God Pacific's triple star from the strife, from the shafts of strife and war. Now, I used to think this was talking about World War I. But this was talking about the war that occurred here in the 1860s. God Pacific's triple star from the shafts of strife and war. God bring down the barriers that separate us. Bring down those barriers. See, this anthem is a prayer for our nation. You know, there are talks in the media about, hey, we should change our national anthem. I pray that never happens. Do, we, do you realize where this anthem came out of? The struggle, the birth of this nation through pain. It's a prayer for this nation. For God to bring down the barrier that separates us. Make her praises heard afar. God defend New Zealand. What you magnify, you get more of. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called children of God. We're going to sing our national anthem. So in your time, wherever you are, still your hearts as we begin to pray our anthem over our nation.
בתורה. עתה פקרונה בארוה Praises heard upon. 